KJP. Live from the Tasty Cake Studios. WIP FM HD 1610. WIP HD. That sounds epic. Sounds more epic than I am. I'm Spike Eskin. It's weird, man. Isn't it weird not having baseball at night? You get into this rhythm during the summer where you get home from work. Well, this is, I mean, this is me. You get home from work. You eat dinner. You sit on the couch. You, like, if you're me, you watch an episode of Friends with your girlfriend so the three hours of baseball doesn't seem, it seems like it's a little more fair, right? Um, so, uh, but it's weird not having baseball, man. It's weird. Uh, it's cool having baseball in the afternoon, but it's weird not having baseball at night. Uh, Michael, hey, are you Mike or Michael, by the way? Uh, either one. All right. Mike Bauman of com. Now, we we're about to get into Ruben Amaro here. Now, um, I was talking earlier and, and said that this year, I almost... It's not that I have a problem with this year specifically. How much of of where the Phillies are right this second, this year, do you think lays at the feet of Ruben Amaro? How much blame? Well, I'm I'm glad you you sort of framed it that way because I think he has to take a lot of, of blame because the guys that Edway drafted are uh, are starting to get older. Guys like um, Howard and and Utley and um, Guys that, that Pat Gillick picked up as, as free agents, you know, Jamie Moyer got old and is gone. Um, Jason Worth is gone. So a lot of this is really Ruben Amaro's team. Um, and a lot of where they are now, uh, you know, you ask if what can be done to fix the Phillies. I mean, the answer is, well, first of all, I don't think they're in as bad shape as a lot of people think. They're not that far out of the division. There's a long way to go. But a lot of this damage was done a year ago, two years ago, even three years ago. Um, so you can explain the the reason or where the Phillies are by looking at transactions from 2010. Uh, and that's really why I wrote that long piece on on uh, the history of Ruben Amaro's transactions. The piece is on CrashburnAlley.com. It's called uh, Ruben Amaro's Greatest Hits. If I were to ask you his his grade from 2009 to 2008 to now, what would you give Ruben Amaro? Grade, like a school grade. I'd have to give him some pretty low, maybe a D. A D? Um, As in Daryl? Yeah, okay. Yeah, because he's done... What he's good at is is actually you know having the, the courage to make those big deals, um, trading for Cliff Lee, trading for Roy Oswalt and Roy Halliday. Uh, he's not afraid to pull the trigger on the blockbuster, um, but... That's really the only thing he's good at. You know, his his front office is has not um, has not replenished the farm system, which which Wade and Gillick built up so well, um, and really allowed him to make all those deals. Uh, they haven't taken a look at trying to do anything creative the way a really successful team um, like the Rays or even the Red Sox or the uh, uh, you're seeing it now with the Blue Jays. Uh, those teams try to get good players on the cheap and try to. Um, exploit. I mean, it goes back to the, the real moral of Moneyball, which is you want to get more than uh, uh, you want to get more than you're paying for out of your players. Right. And Amaro has been really very orthodox, um, not really trying to to look for younger players or cheaper players. Um, and that's how you wind up with with guys like Lance Nix, who's never really been a good major league player, or Juan Pierre, who's on the downside of a really overrated career. Uh, playing uh, significant uh, significant innings for you. 
What would you say uh, in in his history? What would you say Ruben Amaro's two best moves were, whether they're signings or trades? Well, the best move he ever made um, has to be the Orioles' wall deal. He got, if not a number one pitcher, then um, then at least a, a solid number two, a very good number two for really nothing. Um, the only player, I mean, Jay Happ, uh, he definitely sold high at exactly the right time on Jay Happ, who's who's cratered since then. Um, and the only player they really gave up who's really amounted to anything is Anthony Ghost, who's now one of the Blue Jays' top prospects. Um, but Ghost was really not – nobody really saw this coming from Ghost. So uh, at the time, it, it was an even better trade than it is now. Um, and, uh, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. You take these- the other one – you we'll take, you take dramatic pauses, and I like it. I'm just not used to it. It's like, oh, no, I, I got to breathe. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, the other thing is the uh, Cliff Lee trade, the, the first one where he got him from Cleveland. Uh, I was nervous about that at the time because it looked like we were giving up, or by we, I mean the Phillies were giving up uh, three guys who could be solid major leaguers very soon, and Jason, uh, Jason Donald, uh, Carlos Carrasco, and Lou Marson as well as uh, an 18-year-old who threw 100 miles an hour in Jason Knapp, and none of those guys have really panned out. So uh, I think you can give him a lot of credit for that one as well. What would you say, talking to Michael Bauman from CrashBurnAlley.com about Ruben Amaro, what would you say Ruben Amaro's worst move was? It's Everybody says it, but it's got to be the Howard contract. Yeah. Um, and it's looking worse as every day that Cole Hamill's uh, – Looking worse day by day as Cole Hamill's approaches free agency. Um, so the idea uh, to lock up one of your players a long time before he reaches free agency. Howard wouldn't have been a free agent until um, for another uh, year and a half after the, the deal was signed in 2010. Um, so the idea is you get these players to, to sign early, um, and they take a little bit of a discount because they know they're going to get paid um regardless of whether they get hurt or they stop producing. Um, the Rays do this uh, very extremely. They've got Evan Longoria locked up uh, to something like a nine-year, $33 million deal because um, they signed him so early. Right. So that idea of locking Howard up was not that bad, but they paid him more than he was worth at the time, and they did it way too early. If they hadn't signed Howard, they'd have the money to, to lock up Hamels long-term, um, they might have had the, the opportunity to, to take a run at, at a guy like Albert Pujols or Prince Fielder, who actually would be worth the money that uh, that Howard's getting paid, at least for the first part of the contract. So let's say you're Ruben Amaro and you realize the error of your ways, right? What What's the path, I guess? What's the way out of this? And is there a way, do you think, for the Phillies to... Um, because they're not really in position to kind of tear down. You know, the, 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 the tickets that they sell and the position that they're in, they, they need to kind of maintain. Is there a way to kind of fix this and maintain at the same time? Well, I don't think anymore. If you'd asked me this two years ago, I would have said absolutely. You look at the, the Braves from uh, the 90s to the mid-2000s and the Red Sox uh, since uh, – about 2002, 2003 or so, they've contended every year, but they've constantly been rolling over their cast of, of major characters. So they've been bringing new guys up, signing new free agents, making trades, trying to get younger, cheaper, better, and cashing in on guys at the right time. And if the Phillies had done that, then there's no reason they couldn't have won 15 consecutive division titles. Um, but from where we stand now, 
I think it's hard, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you look at it, man. I was looking at it earlier. You look at Rollins and Utley and Howard and Lee and Halliday and Papelbon. It's like before you even blink, you have $120 million, you know, tied up. It's tough, right? Yeah. So even a team as rich as the Phillies does have finite resources. So they've, they've spent so much money on Howard and Papelbon, I think unwisely, and I think wisely they've spent a bunch of money on uh, Roy Halliday and Cliff Lee, but even they are getting older. So if you're going to do a full rebuild, that's fine, but you've got to start before the trade deadline. And you've, the first two questions uh, you've got you've to answer are, are you okay with not contending this year and probably next, and how badly do you want to re-sign Cole Hamels? Because I think you could cash in, um, you could cash in Shane Vicarino, who's going to be a, a free agent on the wrong side of 30. I think you could cash him in for prospects. Um, you could flip Hunter Pence again, try to rebuild uh, some of that prospect base. Um, it's what the uh, the Braves did with Mark Teixeira a few years ago. Um, but with that said, you cut, you really got a punt. Right. Certainly this season and probably the next one, maybe two after that. The, the thing about Hamels is that you think about uh, about re-signing Hamels, and I know the, the the refrain in Philadelphia is to re-sign Hamels, but the concern I have is that you go and you drop, you know, whatever it is, $170 million, and you have the same exact team that you have now, which isn't which we've decided isn't good enough and it is only costing you more. So based on the... The, what Hamels will get, whether it's you know seven and one sixty or whatever it is, do you think moving forward it's a prudent thing to re-sign Cole Hamels? This is a really tough decision because he's still relatively young. He's left-handed. He works off his changeup. He's got great control. Like the kind of pitcher you know, you think like a Tom Glavin type who could be uh, effective well to the end of a of a seven-year contract. But like you said, that's a lot of money, and that's why. The most frustrating part of this for me is that they didn't jump on re-signing him um, after the 2009 season when his value was down, but his performance was actually, if you look at his, his strikeout numbers, um, his control numbers, he was actually pitching as well then as he ever has. And uh, since then, he's only gotten better. And the, this first came out, um, I think it was last season when, when Jared Weaver of the uh, Los Angeles Angels re-signed uh, for five years, $85 million. Um, and he was a guy who a lot of people compare to Hamels. Maybe you start the negotiations there and try to get him locked up, as I said, with Howard for a little bit cheaper. Um, but since then, Hamels has just left Weaver in, in the dust, and he's looking at possibly the CC Sabathia contract right now. He, he could get more. I mean, I think, man, if he hits the, the open market and there's a bidding war, and you get a bidding war between, like, New York and L.A., who knows where that ends up? That, that, that's you, the thing. I think you're absolutely right. Because the Dodgers have a ton of money, and Hamels is by far the best free agent um, free agent at any position. Um, and you've got the Red Sox and Yankees, who I think have made a lot of, of shrewd moves that just haven't really worked out with their pitching staff. Um, and both of those teams have money to burn, uh, you know, as well. The, the Cubs are are looking to rebuild and contend. So there's a lot of places that could really use Hamels and could really amp up his price, and I'm not convinced that re-signing him is the right route. Meanwhile, R.A. Dickey won another game tonight. Bro. 
<laughs> you know, I like I, I actually like R.A. Dickey. Yeah, I know. He kills us. Dude, I had this theory that every time the Phillies face R.A. Dickey, they should just play their bench players because he screws them up for the next two weeks. They can never hit for the two weeks after they face R.A. Dickey. They were so lucky they avoided him in that last series. I think that happened to him twice last year. It was terrible. Well, the one the one I remember was when he uh, one hit the Phillies and Hamels was the only person who got it. Yeah. And Hamels had the one hit. I mean, kills he's, us. he's something else. Um, well, thanks. Thank you for uh, the depressing news, Mike. I appreciate it. It's, um, it's the only news I got. If yeah. I had better news than... Uh, Hey, uh, well, Don Brown's in well, and yeah. uh, Dusty Biddle's uh, pitching well. Yeah, so there's that. I, You know, I, I just think of it this way. I'm going to close my eyes. I, uh, Utley's going to be back in the next two weeks. I'm, I'm going to close my eyes. Utley comes back. I hope we make a run of it this year. And, and maybe, you know, we let the cards fall where they may this year. And if we can we can make a run in the playoffs or something this year, then the, the, the next three years being terrible won't feel so horrible. So yeah. that's, that's the way. Um, well, even there's no guarantee that Udley and Howard are going to produce like they have when they come back. Stop, but, you know. stop, stop. Yeah, they're, they're not in a bad position. They're only, yeah. what, like five and a half, uh, six yeah. games out it's right gonna now. It's going to be they're fine. It's going to be fine. You know, there's a, it's we'll know a lot fine. more by the deadline. It's going to be fine. Uh, Michael Bauman writes for CrashburnAlley.com. Uh, you can uh, find him on Twitter at uh, Atomic Ruckus. Uh, you're going to have to change that to your name, bro. That's going to be oh, yeah. the next stop, the next step, yeah. But uh, you write great stuff, and uh, and I, I recommend, uh, even if you're not an advanced stat guy, I think Michael puts in, Mike puts in it in a way that, that you'll really understand it. Thanks for coming on, man. All right, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Now, coming up next, I have you know a guy who I think sees the Phillies in a little bit different of a perspective, Lee Russikoff from Phillies 24-7, but I feel like i got to talk about a certain basketball player. Uh, with Lee next. We've talked about this basketball player a lot. So there is a certain basketball player in the NBA who gets a lot of pressure who had a legendary performance tonight. Legendary. Maybe top five playoff performance ever. And we'll talk about that next, and then we'll depress ourselves with the Phillies. Xfinity Voice Line is 888-729-9494 or brand new Pound 9494 on your AT&T cell phone. My name is Spike Eskin. Sports Radio, 90 Sports Radio, 94 WIP. I joke when I say that Michael Bauman depressed us, but it's crazy to go from where we were with the Phillies to where it seems like we are. I still think this year, you know, it, it's still early. I know it sounds crazy we've been saying that forever, but it is still early. I'm Spike Eskin. The Xfinity voice line is 888-729-9494. Um, now, I was going to talk Phillies with the host of Phillies today, Lee Russikoff, but I wanted, before we get to the Phillies, I just wanted to talk about a certain performance from a certain basketball player tonight. Um, and I was, you know, when we used to do our podcast, Lee and I, we used to do, uh, we used to talk about, I, I hate that I have to call him this. LaFraud James? We used to talk about LaFraud. Now, I'm a, I'm a big fan of his, but I lost the bet to my father, so I have to call him LaFraud James. We used to talk about him a lot, um, and uh, we haven't had a chance to talk about him. Him tonight, what do you have, 45 points and 15 rebounds, and he played every minute up until the last three because they were winning by 20. That was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen on a basketball court. Can he do it in a big game? Can he do it in game seven? <laughs> and it, you know, it's amazing. I was talking with Rob Ellis earlier about how 
the, the worst thing, and I love sports talk radio and I love the discussion, but the worst thing about it is that everything gets talked about so much is that there's only like, there's only two available opinions for everything. There's either, there's either sucks or rules for everything. And I was telling him, I was like, if he does great tonight, there's always an exception, and that's the exception, is that tonight, I said it to my dad. I was like, I was like, hey, he's playing great tonight. He was like, ah, there was no pressure. It's like, there's no pressure. It's in Boston. It's an elimination game. He's lost every 3-2 elimination game he's been in. This is not no pressure. This is a ton of pressure, and he killed them himself. He slaughtered them. And But the haters will, as they say, haters going to hate, right? Yeah, well, I mean, we were deep in the third quarter. He was still the only. Heat member in double fit, like yeah, he did it all by himself. It was like he did over and over again in Cleveland in a bunch of big games that just weren't the biggest, big enough game, I guess. Well, and the, the the unfortunate thing is that there's no possible way, as good as he is, he is almost too. This was almost too good because people will say now, what even if even if the haters give a little room, what they'll say is, well, why doesn't he do this every night? Well, because, come on. You know what I mean? Because he can't go 45 and 15 every night. I just think, and we saw another night out of Dwayne Wade where he played one quarter as he usually does. Um, I just, the reason that he couldn't win in Cleveland is because he could not do this every single night. And I think that's going to be the, you know, their downfall this year eventually, whether it's in this series or in the Oklahoma City series. There's just no way he, he can do this every night. Um, yeah, I can't figure out how Phil Jackson's not going to coach this team next year. Yeah. Right? Because this is the, this, this team is tailor made for Phil Jackson and the way he coaches. And I, and if you got Phil Jackson on this team managing these egos and managing these players, that, that, and they, then you're talking six, seven titles. They, that's what they need. A good coach, a good, someone with a mind for spacing and someone who can reel in these egos for a little bit. Yeah, and, and that's why, you know, if you're Phil Jackson, why do you want to go to the Knicks? The Knicks have, right. have one really good player, you know, and have, and, 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 you know, with, with all credit to Amari Stoudemire, it, it's over, you know, for Amari Stoudemire. He's, he's, he's running on, on fumes at this point. And Tyson Chandler's a nice player, but he's not, you know, something you build around. Miami is, the shame of it is going to be, if they don't win it, the, the the breaking them up because nobody could figure it out. I mean, if you're Phil Jackson, it was fine. There's Pat Riley there. But it, you guys, you got to find a way. you got to find a way. If, if David Lee Roth can find a way to tour with Van Halen, <laughs> you know, Pat Riley can find a way to exist in the same organization as Phil Jackson. Well, and, and Pat Riley has to take some of the blame here just because... Well, you, you put know, together finally a horrible Chalmers, team. Well, finally, Chalmers yeah. started to hit some shots. Like, there were some guys who hit some shots tonight, but throughout this run, that's who's failed them. It, it really hasn't been the big two and a half. It's been everybody else missing wide open shots. You know, Batty had a, had a wide open three to win what was a game three or four. Wide open three and just missed it. Yeah. You know, they miss way too many of those shots, wide open shots, which they get consistently because LeBron and Dwayne demand so much attention. Well, and they got they got Mike Miller on the you know within an inch of his life. He's got yeah. nothing that they're gonna have to amnesty that. And then they've just done such a poor job of of like and Battier is part of it, but a poor a poor job of filling the middle of you know filling the lane with with power forwards and and centers. There's just you know if when Lafraud's got to play center and power forward, he's good, but like. 
you know, I think that the tempting thing is, is when you're a coach, you're like, well, he's able to play all four, five positions. Let him play all five positions. Well, at the end of the game, you're going to pay for that. You yeah. know, he, he's just, he's not going to, or the end of a series, he's just not going to physically, he's not, if his jump shot isn't going down, he's physically not going to have enough to get through a game. And there's a big difference between, I think, a guy like Rajon Rondo playing 48 minutes where he's, you know, he's he's not doing the same things physically, and he's not carrying around a 275-pound frame. It's a different, you know, it's just a different animal. So, um, now Lee, Lee yeah. Rusikoff of Phillies 24/7, who, by the way, Lee is making his uh, WIP debut on Saturday on 6:10 a.m. during the Phillies game. So, at, uh, from 3:30 to 7:30, you can hear Lee. Um, the Phillies, uh, I'm, I'm watching that today, right? And of course it falls apart. And I think we're at the point of the season where when you're watching these games as you do these shows, we're at the point of the season where you expect them to lose every game, right? This is, this is exactly what I'm going to talk about tomorrow. It's a good tease into listen to 24 7 tomorrow. Um, if you remember back in like the late 90s, right? As a Phillies fan, you got to a point where you expect them to lose and find creative ways to lose each time. This team is, you know, you're starting to expect them to lose again, but there's still so much disappointment and, uh, like, investment built into them that it's not as, like, you can't rely on it and feel okay about it ever. Like, that, those teams were supposed to lose, and they lost. And it kind of made you feel comfortable about being a Phillies fan, and it gave you an identity of a, as a baseball fan. This is just a lost season and a lost year and a lost opportunity it's so painful to watch even when you know it's going to happen yeah and it's i was i was watching the game when the bases were loaded with kendrick on the mound the other night i'm watching the game with my girlfriend i looked at her and i go she's gonna walk him and she's like well why would he walk him and i'm like i'm telling you look i'm just he is not a good enough pitcher to paint corners and this certainly not tonight it was on his on his ass the entire the entire interview was killing him and I was like there's no way that he's not gonna walk this guy and he did he, he just you knew it was gonna happen and you can't it's hard to you can't blame Charlie when you know he brings in Qual Chad Qual is the best option he had I mean literally it's him and Schwimmer as his only right-handed options out there it, it, the team is look they've been decimated by injury but you can't use a, so have the Nationals so is every other team this year that this year is the year of the injury other teams are getting by this team wasn't prepared for the loss of Howard and Utley and you know you could say well Utley they shouldn't have been Howard without a doubt they should have at least been prepared and I don't I don't think their prep plan it just wasn't up to speed it wasn't up to par with a team that had championship aspirations yeah well I mean you're playing a team today that didn't have wasn't playing with Andre Ethier or Matt Camp and we found a way to, to lose that one you know two two guys that would be the two best players on the team on the Phillies right now they didn't play with so and they uh, lost by five runs yeah right. and yeah. so I'm watching that game today and I'm looking at the lineup and I'm just seeing guys like Fontenot and there's now Michael Martinez is back and we have John Mayberry playing first and booting balls and it's just everything is just is in Juan Pierre and this lineup so I I can't be mad at them for being who they are, right? I can't. Be- right. I keep wanting to get mad at Ty Wigginton, and then I remember, oh, wait, no, you're Ty Wigginton. This is exactly who you are. You know, you're not supposed to play third well. Like, right. And that's the point. So, right. so who am I? Am I to be mad? At, am I to be mad at tomorrow? Is that it? Is is that who? And I can't be mad at. You already said, you know, if Char- if Charlie's options at second today are Michael Martinez, Pete, or. And, and Mike Fontenot, like, like, how could you blame Charlie, right? 
Yeah, and I think what you, you know, this is starting to get into like the saber versus uh, seam head arguments and all that. But I think if you want to blame Ruben, you got to start looking back a few years and some of the contracts that have put this team as a hundred and seventy-four million dollar juggernaut with an average age of thirty-two, and that's uh, that's all aging and getting old. And you know, yeah, they're injured and they got unlucky in some of these injuries. There's a reason they're not coming back as quickly as they used to because they're old. And this is how old players react to injuries. Yeah, oh, that's a that's a pretty harsh way to put it, but it's the truth. Um, and and it, I think it's you know another insane thing is I, I saw Kevin Cooney on Twitter today said that you know hey we we thought at the beginning of this year that John Mayberry could be a full time outfielder, and what I reminded him was that this is the second year in a row that we've tried to pull the Jason Worth trick. And last year it was right. Ben Francisco. It's like, you know, how can you go into it thinking that that is an acceptable solution? Um, and, and it's proving that it's not. Do you, is this, you know, you said earlier this is one of those years. Is this one of those years that becomes a few of those years? Or is it one of those years and, and you think there's a way that... Um, and I still think I still I hold out hope that there's a way that they save this year. But is this a sign of things to come, or is this just one of those years? Oh well, that's a that's that's a path we don't want to think about too too much, too hard. Because uh, it, you know, if you really look at this team and how it's built, uh, you know, to assume that they're going to get better is a very positive outlook. It's a glass half full outlook. I. This year is not over yet. No, they look. If you want to be positive about it, in 2007 they were under 500. Back in July, all the way to July, and they still won that division. Now in 2007, the division was much worse, and they were much better, and they had a lot more talent, and they were, you know, they were they were set up to succeed better. Now they're a second half team, but will they be without without Howard? Without maybe I don't who knows what Utley and Howard are going to be able to give you. I, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not optimistic about this season. And if, if we're looking at going out further, I'm less optimistic about those years because you're just getting older. And these injuries, while, you know, Achilles is one thing, these injuries aren't going away. Like, Chase's knees are Chase's knees. Give me Polanco's a, injuries or Polanco's injuries. Give me a, well, yeah. I mean, Polanco is a deteriorating. I mean, at least Polanco. This done. Is, yeah. yeah. Um, give me a number at the All-Star break. How many games out of first place, out of a playoff position is out of it for the Phillies? Uh, yeah. I mean, that's a, because of the extra playoff. I mean, I, to me, you know, you're, you're not going to be too far out of it just because of that extra playoff spot. But I, what you mean as far as is your question whether or not they'd be sellers? Yeah. Like what what numbers? Yeah. What number out of first? Is it ten? Is it twelve? If, if they're if they're ten, they have to be think of themselves as sellers. I think you got to look at it. The way I would do it, if I were Ruben or if I were a GM, is I would look at my record as opposed to where I am in the standings for wild card because I think that can lead you into fool's gold gold territory. I feel like the Eagles are always culpable of this, where they're like, yeah, we're we're not great in these positions, but you know, we're two games out of a playoff spot at seven and nine, seven and eight. You know, like found a way oh. to rip the Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm proud of you. All right, wait, wait. I got, I got 15 seconds, real quick. Yeah. Percent of chance they trade Cole Hamels? Uh, 12. Percentage chance they re-sign Cole Hamels? 52. And percentage chance the Phillies are in the playoffs this year in any capacity? 
too. <laughs> uh, that's you're being optimistic, and you know I am. his name is Lee Russikoff. You can listen to him on Phillies Today on Phillies twenty four seven every day. Follow him on Twitter at Lee Russikoff, and listen to him on six ten WIP on Saturday from about three thirty until uh, seven ish. Uh, thanks for joining me, my friend. All right, thanks, Blake. All right, see you. Um, coming up next, uh, there's a guy that seems pretty upset about me regarding my stance on a certain Miami Heat basketball player, number six. I'm going to avoid saying his name, so I don't have to say it the wrong way. Xfinity Voice Line, if you'd like to join him or chime in, whether you're you're more hopeful about the Phillies than we have been tonight. Xfinity Voice Line is 888-729-9494 or pound 9494 on your AT&T cell. 94 WIP Sports Time is 1136. My name is Spike Eskin. Sports Radio 94 WIP. In Philadelphia, football is not just a game. It's a real... Seven right now in Philly. That's WIP 2020 Sports for up-to-the-minute sports information 24 hours a day. Go to cbsphilly.com. Champions of Sports Talk. This is the new Sports Radio 94 WIP. My name is Spike Eskin. Uh, Coming up at midnight, one of my favorite writers writes about TV. His name is Andy Greenwald. He's from uh, from Philadelphia, writes for Grantland. Uh, and uh, we are going to talk about what I think is the best show on television. So we'll find out from Andy whether he thinks it is the best show on television. He's also from Philly and a, uh, a big Phillies fan as well. Hey, um, gas for a year and a trip to Aruba. I think, are a good reason for you to do anything. If I were to tell you, hey, log on to this website or go to this place, if I had gas for a year for you or a trip to Aruba, you should do it. WIP Tailgate Team has that at Hess Gas, 3890 Hamilton Boulevard in Allentown, tomorrow from noon until 2. It's still tomorrow, right? It's We're still Thursday? Yeah. Tomorrow from noon till 2. Um, your shot at trip, trip to Aruba, gas for a year at Hess, 3890 Hamilton Boulevard in, Am- in Allentown. Tailgate team outfitted by Ampro Sports, the ultimate uniform, no matter what kind of team you're on. Visit AmproSports.com. Um, Frank has been on hold for a while. Frank, you're a 94 WIP. Spike. Frank. Uh, here we go. Can I just go off topic real quick? Yes. The Phillies. Uh, oh, oh, on to the Phillies or off from the Phillies? No, off topic. My uh, my topic was LeBron. Okay. But I'm gonna go off topic real quick if I can. Yes. For just a, just like 20 seconds. Yeah, you can go as many seconds on the Phillies, being that we air all of their games and uh, and they're a pretty important thing around here. You can take as many seconds on the Phillies yeah. as you'd like. Yeah. Well, if you air Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. Then that would basically be the same thing as the Phillies broadcast because what an atrocious team. Well, the broadcast wow. is fine. Yeah, but the, the team. Broca- no, the broadcast <laughs> is good. I'm talking yeah. about the play on the field. Yeah. Is atrocious. Yeah, it, it felt. Wow. Didn't it feel like it felt every once in a while in a season, uh, you know, with anything, when things are going bad, there's that moment where they hit bottom. Well, what was it? The seventh with all those innings or the eighth with with all the errors? Whatever inning had the, the, the three where they broke it open when it went to four, from 4-3 to 8-3 with all those errors. That was the moment. It was just like, it was like this is as 
I was hoping, I'm hoping it's hit bottom because I'm hoping it's as bad as it gets. Well, you know what um, the good news was? Is that I was at work yeah. and I couldn't watch the game. <laughs> so, That's the good news. I was news. like following Twitter and I'm like, uh, yeah, this ain't good. Yeah. It, it, so, hit the, it hit the point on Twitter today where everybody, the reason why I think it was at bottom is when is when that inning happened with, with the errors, everybody just started laughing. So I feel like it. It was bottom because it got so bad. It just got it got so bad today. Yeah, yeah. you know what's funny is like because I usually like tweet during the games and stuff, and I see everybody's tweets, and all the tweets were just like funny tweets. Yeah, so I'm like, I really need to know what's going on. Like, what's the score? What's going on with the team? And all I'm saying is like, oh, another another uh, uh, error by Jimmy Rollins or yeah. some BS with. And somehow they took the error away from Mayberry, and and uh, I don't I don't know how that happened, but uh, yeah, it was bad today, man. I, and and hopefully, hopefully, it really seems like Peter Gammon said on the uh, the morning show today that um, that he thought that Chase Utley might be a week to ten days away, and it, it can't come. Look, I don't even care if he's not the same Chase Utley. I just want to see. I, especially now with Galvis hurt, I just want to see. I, I want to see a, a guy. Uh, here's the thing: Mike Fontenot and Pete Orr and Mike Martinez. I know they're all part of the team, and Ty Wigginton, and these guys are not the Phillies. <laughs> Chase Utley no. is the Phillies. I just want the Phillies back. I want the, the Phillies on the field. These are not the Phillies. It's the friggin' Lehigh Valley Phillies. Yeah, I mean, anymore. and that's why I can't even get mad because these guys aren't even the team. <laughs> it's like it'd be okay. You know, it was cute last year when we had Mike Martinez, and he was like, he was his bit player filling in or we had Wilson Valdez who's his bit player filling in these bit players filling in are the whole friggin team man it's one like Juan Pierre's the best player on the team that and that's sad that's horrible we no, I want the sad. Phillies back it's not sad it's atrocious but yeah. let, listen let me real quick get to this LeBron yes LeBron yes. you know you you kind of teased it and said oh some guy wants to say like I'm gonna come at LeBron yeah from from your standpoint, but you know what? I'm on your side. Okay. It's a freaking fraud. Oh He's no. Fraud. What's what's fraudulent about him? What's fraudulent about him? Yeah. That the dude is clutch when he doesn't need to be clutch, and he is not clutch when he needs to be clutch. You know I what? Mean, dude, take your stuff together. <laughs> I almost dropped the S word there. Yeah. Take Let... your stuff together, LeBron. Let me. <laughs> You know what? You know what? Here's here's the thing about LeBron, and I've had it's, the call started off so good. This, oh, LeFraud, 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 LeFraud. Here's the thing about him, and it's the same. It's the same story that everybody has with the, the same big game story that everybody has with Donovan McNabb. And I, I don't want to. It is they can't just be game big games when they lose. The, the thing with James is that everyone says that he doesn't perform well in big games, but the only big games they point to are the ones that he's lost. And you're talking about a guy that's been to the finals twice, you know, and been to the Eastern Conference finals two other times and won three MVPs and been on 60-win teams and, and won a ton of playoff games. He averages the fourth most points in the playoffs in, in NBA history. I, I'm promising you that this guy has won big games. And the thing about tonight, the thing about what he did tonight when when he carried his team, when he scored 45 points and had 15 rebounds and, and was 19 to 26 and only had four assists but still managed to lead his team.
team in that category too. While the other supposed superstar, Dwayne Wade, was doing his normal act where he where he shoots twenty percent for the first three quarters and then decides that he's got enough gas at the end of the year because he's been coasting for the whole for the whole. What he did tonight, what 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 James did tonight is what he did for years in Cleveland. Is what he did for years. Every playoff game they won was because of him. And let me tell you something. Every playoff game in the NBA is a big game. Every playoff game. Every game that he's won in the playoffs is a big game. So you can't just say he doesn't come up in the big games. He's not clutch. Let me. When they beat the Celtics last year and they beat the Bulls in the playoffs and they beat the Bulls four games to one and the Bulls had the best record in the Eastern Conference, you're telling me when he's hitting shots during the stretch, down the stretch, those aren't clutch? Like, it's just, it's annoying and it's exhausting because as sports fans now, we don't have like this, we, we don't have, we don't, there's no reality anymore. There's no reality. It's either he sucks and he's not clutch or he's a mate. There's no, there's no in between. And by not exploring that in-between of that, that maybe he's hit some clutch shots, but maybe he hasn't hit enough. And maybe it's a three-time MVP. Maybe you expect him to win, you know, a championship by now. But at the same time, maybe those teams he's on have not been good enough. Maybe it's both. You know, but by, by, by discussing things the way that we discuss them now, by making it one or the other, we ruin it. You know, and I think we ruined the middle ground. And I would love to see Kevin, the Heat versus Oklahoma City. If you're a basketball fan, why would you not love to see that? You'd rather see seven more games of these, this Celtic team, this boring, disgusting, gross Celtic team. You'd rather see Paul Pierce slog around the court for, for 40 minutes for seven straight games. His bad facial hair and his flabby arms. That's what you want to see? I want to see good basketball. And he is capable of playing better basketball than anybody else in the entire NBA. Gus is next. I want to talk about the Phillies. And we're going to find out if Mad Men is the best show on television. From the one guy who I think could make that judgment. That is next. And you, the Xfinity Voice Line is 888-729-9494. Pound 9494 on your AT&T cell. My name is Spike Eskin, 94 W 